1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the Bible says, furthermore, if you're a grammarian like Julie is, that would be a clue. That word furthermore means he's already been talking about some things, but he wants to transition. Now, in your own time, go back and read chapters 1 through 3 because it's talking about some expectations of God, but Paul wants to go deeper to the church at Thessalonica, and he says, furthermore, you ever been explaining something to your kids? Clean your room, and furthermore, get out from under the bed all that junk, and don't just shove it in the closet, and furthermore, the next time you borrow my car, put some gas in it. Anybody know what a furthermore moment is? Paul's giving them some furthermore here. He says, Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God. Well, that's a mouthful right there. Paul's saying our intent in this letter is to remind you that if you were listening and watching us, there should be a change in how you walk and how you talk and it's not to fit in it's how can I please God so you would abound more and more when people start hearing that God has expectations they get an attitude that God's trying to rob them of fun no God's trying to prune away the things that destroy and distract that we can have a life more abundantly verse 2 for ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Can I get an amen? I know there's some parents of teenagers that believe we should abstain from fornication. I believe, I believe there is some spouses that believe their spouses, because this word fornication can also mean adultery. Any spouse in here won't believe we should be against adultery and fornication? Amen. Because you didn't marry them to share them with everybody else. You married them so they'd be special and set apart for you. I'm preaching just a minute. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. You should know how to conduct your physical body and life in a way that keeps you set apart unto God and to honor God. Verse 5, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which, ye know, excuse me, which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such." as we also have forewarned you and testified. And that's a lot of information. If you'll trust me, I'm just going to go over that. I'm going to skip that for right now. I'll come back to it. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Let me stop and talk just a second. People hear the word holiness and they start to shut down. And they say holiness is just my mind and just what's in my heart. But the word uncleanness literally means my physical 
presence that God has not called. In the mind of God, he did not envision you wallowing in the pig pen of sin, but God has called you out of a world to be set apart, sanctified, and holy unto him. How do I know that? He, therefore, that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in us changes our own natural lust and desires and replaces them with godliness and righteousness and holiness. Let me say it this way. Because I got something working on the inside, it affects what's happening on the outside. I, I don't fix the outside and the Holy Ghost gets inside. I get the Holy Ghost inside and it starts working in me and on me and through me. What I want to preach a little bit today is about the power of separation. Everybody say the power of separation. Jesus today, I know in our hearts and our minds, God let us not check out, let us not zone out, let us not excuse ourselves away, but right now, let us push away every thought and distraction, every preconceived notion, and let us hear the Word of God that's been anointed by your Spirit. God, whether we are physically present in the sanctuary or we're watching or listening online, help us even now that our souls be fed, our feet be directed, and God, give us power that no man can take away to do those things that are pleasing unto you. And let the church say, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, just a disclaimer for a minute. We first came to Smyrna. There had been a United Pentecostal church that began to change its doctrine and then began to disassociate with the doctrines that we believe and teach that are fundamental to Scripture. And one of the things they got involved in, who's ever heard of prosperity doctrine? And it's all about the Benjamins. And you come and you wash the preacher's car and God's going to give you money. And if you come and give a big offering, God's going to give you seven, eight, ten times that. And it's all about the money. It's everything they preached about was about money. And they, in a short period of time, that church group disintegrated. Many of them never spiritually recovered. Can I say it took me about seven to ten years before I ever taught God's biblical concepts about money because of what someone previously in this community had done. They had poisoned the well. They had tainted the hearts. They had affected people's thinking on that subject, and it made me uh, timid to discuss it. Can I also say there have been some people that have abused or misappropriated teachings of what we call holiness or taught them in a way that have already tainted people's minds and they've begun to believe since so-and-so went too far or maybe was extreme in their teaching that I'm going to totally discount everything pastor's going to say. You discount the scripture at your own 
peril. You can say I can do this and get away with things and you may get away with it for a season but I can tell you the word of God is slow sometimes but it is sure. God's got a way for his people to live. He has not called us to stay in darkness. He has called us out of darkness. We didn't know how to act or think or dress. We couldn't even feed ourselves correctly but the word of God came alongside with the spirit of God. Anybody been serving God just long enough that you can look in the rearview mirror and say, man, what was I thinking? How did I think that was ever going to turn out good? Why was I uh, attracted to that way of living? And I look back now and say, I wasted money, I wasted time, I wasted years. I preached the funeral of a lady this week that was my very age, but she had ruined her health through riotous living. Can I tell you, God's got a way of living and thinking and acting and managing the affairs of not just our spirit, but our mind and our flesh in such a way that we abound that means it gets better and better if my granddad was here who didn't finish high school because he had to go to work to help feed the family he went back on the GI Bill and got his GED and God opened doors that many people never thought what he could do he was able to do if he was here today he wouldn't say better and better he says God gets gooder and gooder God is not giving you directions of separation to destroy you. He's trying to get you in a place where he can bless you and he can use you. We serve a God that uses separation to bring a creation into the world. For my Bible says before God got serious about making man, he said, let there be light. But then he separated the light from the darkness. Then God's assuaged the waters over the face of the earth. And he says, I know there's some marshy ground and some dry ground, and I know there's some water. But God separated the dry ground from the bodies of water. God couldn't create man where there's instability and no boundaries. He said there's got to be a day when you work and a night when you sleep. There's got to be a dry ground that you can build on or a water where you can travel. I'm preaching to somebody today. God separated before he created man. It's in the mind of God that he bring distinction to his creation. And anybody here built a house or lived through somebody building you a house. I'm so glad for electricity because there'd be no viable way for us to have good air conditioning without quality electricity. I'm telling you, the prophet William Carrier, who created the first air conditioning system, he, he's going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb when, but it takes electricity to power that system. Can I tell you, Brother Alford, it takes two wires. It takes a negative wire and it takes a positive wire. You can have a positive wire with no negative wire and it won't run. You can have a negative wire and no positive wire and it won't run. But you put a negative and a positive on there, it'll what are you talking about? I'm telling somebody something today. It takes a separation of the negative and the positive. You touch those two together, you'll blow up the meter base. But when you get them separated and channeled in an insulated jacket and put them where they need to be, it'll bring a blessing. 
you're not getting it today. I'm glad for good drinking water coming into my house. But to have water coming in my house with no drain going out of my house, I wouldn't be able to bring a whole lot of water in because I couldn't get it out fast enough. I'm preaching to somebody. I'm glad for drinking water, but I'm also glad for that sewer pipe that comes out of my house that takes the dirty water away. But I'm so glad they are separated. I don't want my drinking water co-mingled with my potty water. And I don't want my potty water co-mingled with my drinking water. It takes both. But they only work well when they are separated. You think I've lost my way? I've come to tell you. And God created man and said, that's okay, but I can do better. So he created woe man. And he made a distinction between them can I tell you he didn't make Adam and Steve he made Adam and Eve and he made them distinct and different God created them they are both the child of God God had a purpose in creating them but he didn't say hey marry a snake or marry a lion or marry a sheep or live with who you want he made them for each other for our God has separation in his mind Here's what I want you to get. And when they sinned, they went and covered their nakedness and clothed themselves. Hear this preacher today. See, God is not only separating night from day and land from water. He's not only making man and male and female distinct. He, he's even, there's a difference between being naked and clothed. And when they were in a fallen state, Brother Carter, the Bible says they went and got fig leaves and covered themselves. And God said, where are y'all? Did God not know where they were at? Yeah. He wanted to see what they was going to say. How many times does God speak to our heart to hear what we're going to say? How are we going to answer? He knows. He just wants to see how we're going to answer. Who told you you were naked? He could have said, pretty good job. You made those little aprons out of fig leaves. Pretty good job. No, the Bible says he went and killed an innocent animal to create a pelt to cover them. Can I tell you what? In their fallen, sinful estate, they did not know how to dress themselves. How many of us, when we were in the world, didn't know how to dress ourselves, didn't know what was appropriate? Can I tell you, God wants us to be gender specific. God don't want men dressing like women, and he don't want women dressing like men. You want to know why we got five and six and seven-year-olds who think they're confused about their gender? It's because the lines have been blurred, for God knew there needs to be a distinction and a separation. There's what a man is, and there's what a woman the first mistake, well, we've made a bunch of mistakes. And the first mistake we made is we let the world re-identify what a woman looks like. She got to be painted up and dolled up and she can wear men's clothing and she can go and be and do what she wants to. And a woman is precious. She's more precious than men. For the Bible says that men are made to serve the woman. I back it up with Scripture. She's awesome. She's not inferior. She was created second. She was man 2.0. God's better version. 
Hey, God knew that he needed somebody to unpack the moving van. Honey, it goes over here. Honey, it goes over. I think I'm helping some people right here. We'll be having a prayer line for that right after. All of those whose back is really tired from moving, we're going to be praying right after service here. Hear, hear me. God made it a distinct difference. And we let people tell us what a woman should look like and, and that it's a shame for a woman to be a homemaker. There's nothing more precious in the sight of God than a woman who nurtures and raises her kids. I know we're in a tax structure and in a cultural base where many of our women have to work to make I get it. But let me tell you what, do not allow the world to set the boundary and the standard of what you are. God is who sets the standard and boundary of who you are. God has established you as precious. And so we were all good with women dressing like men, cutting their hair like men, identifying as men. How did you think that could happen, that there wouldn't come a day that then men would start to identify as women? Max Factor has got a whole line of makeup for men. Amazon Prime has spent millions of dollars, one of their latest, greatest inventions to give you streaming in your home for free is a drag queen competition. And you don't think the church of God needs to draw boundaries? Your line may be different from my line, but you better have a line. There better be a boundary of how far I'm willing to, well, I'll do this and do this, but I won't do that. You may not, but the next generation may start where you stopped and add to. And it's a slippery, slippery, slippery slope. Can I say, God created man to be separate from the animals. He made distinction between male and female. But when sin entered humanity through disobedience, it brought separation from God. I want you to get this. Either way you go, there's going to be separation. Either you're going to be separated to God with holiness or separated from God with unholiness. For God withdrew himself from fallen man. Not afraid that their sin's going to rub off on him, but that his holiness would kill them in their sins. Hebrews 12 and 14 still says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Well, I don't believe in all that boundaries and holiness stuff, but me and the Lord are close. 
You can have the Holy Ghost, but you will not be fruitful. You will not abound and abound and abound if you stop the download of the Holy Ghost from moving into every part of your life. God gives you a seven-day introductory download offer. And as long as you're willing to continue to submit to the boundaries and the principles of that download of the Holy Ghost, He'll keep moving in your life. But when you start telling Him, no, 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 you have handcuffed God, and He'll say, fine, you got free will, you want to do it your way, you do it your way. But God... His holiness, it will not strive in a vessel that's not striving to be more and more and more. I don't want to see how little I can get away with and be okay with God. I want to hear, well done. If I was saying, can I chauffeur your kids somewhere? Did, do you want me to see how close I can drive to the edge of a cliff without going off with your kids? Or would you want me to stay as far away from the edge as I could? And some of you are trying to see how close to the edge in the world you can live like the world and be okay. I don't want to see how close I can get. I want to be as close to the Lord as I can be. I don't want to have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. I want to have both feet in the church that God God says, this is my child in whom I'm well pleased. Get it today. I'm, I'm tired of hearing my contemporaries, preacher friends, say, how can we get the world to like us better? The only way the world's going to like the church of the living God better is to be more like the world. And that is not an option for the apostolic church. He's not looking for a church that can look pretty good for the shape they're in. You, you met those people? Who's ever been on a 700 mile car ride? And you look pretty well when you got started but rolling over and spanking the kids in the back seat and eating in the car. and Who knows what I'm talking about? By the time you get there, you at least got to go to your room and freshen up before you can go meet people because, man, I got caramel corn caught in, right? Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? You wrinkled all over. You rolled out to get behind that wheel to get on the road early. You got bad head. Anybody? Spilt coffee. I got a coffee. He's not looking for you to roll up and look pretty good for the shape you're in. He's looking for a church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish who have equipped and prepared themselves, who are ready for His glorious appearing, not caught unaware as the world's going to be caught, but we're a church that perceives that He is coming and He's coming soon. The same God who delivered us from sin can also deliver us from the environment of sin, which is separation. The Father... Loved the son, and when the son came to himself and came back to the father's house, the father ran to him. But the father did not crawl up in a pig pen and put the garments on him and put the shoes on his feet and put the ring on his finger. It was only when he left the environment of riotous living. I'm speaking to somebody today. God can not only save you, he can change the environment that you're living in. 
You don't have to dwell in depression and addiction and despair. The same God that saved your soul, if you'll let him keep working, he'll cause goodness and righteousness to abound and abound. He can not only save you, he can bring you out. I got to hurry. I, I, I shared this story once several years ago. Uh, Julie's mom and dad were kind of like a second mom and dad to me. You know, we had our first date when we were 12. And my dad cut her dad's hair. They were friends probably 10, 12 years before we were born. So we got a lot of history there. And uh, Julie's dad was like I am. Uh, he, he would empty his pockets at night and throw his pocket change in an old jar, container, kept in his walk-in closet in his bedroom. And in that same container of, of pocket coins, he had some buffalo nickels and some wheat pennies and other specialty or rare coins. And this one day, the dry cleaner came to deliver some dry cleaning. Julie's mother was caught unaware, and and that was pre-check and Venmo and PayPal and all the ways we pay for things today, and they wouldn't take a check. And so she went to the bedroom and started digging, and she said, Dwight's got all those coins, and she scraped up enough. It'd take a big coffee can of money to pay for dry cleaning. Back in the day, you could afford dry cleaning. Now it's like $37 to get a suit clean. But she got the money scraped up and got home, and she didn't think about what she was telling Dwight. She says, uh, the dry cleaner came, and I had to use some of your coins. Basically, she was saying, you need to leave me some money. Here's what she was trying to say. When he heard she'd been digging in the coins, and he had his wheat pennies and his buffalo nickels and other rare coins, you didn't give him any of my special separated stuff, did you? In World War III, ensued. Why you, why you tell me that? If they were rare and precious, he should have kept them separated from the comp. And if you're worried about our enemy, the devil, taking what God has given you, could it be that you need to take what God's doing in life and not make it common, but separate it and sanctify it and say, this is special. My kids are not like everybody else's kids. They're not dogs where they grow up wild. These are my children that are a heritage from God. There's a right and a wrong, and they're not going to be like everybody else's kids. They're going to be separated. They are special. Mama, can I go to such and such? No, you can't go there. Why not? Because you are special. You are separated. When the girl says, well, everybody in my class is wearing this, you look them in the eye and say, and you're not everybody in your class. You're separated. You are special. You are a legacy. You are valuable. I'm afraid too many believers still think separation is time out or being left out. But I'm telling you, You are separated to God. If you're not separated to God, you will be separated from God. 1 Peter 2 and 9 still says, Ye are a separate, royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're not like everybody else. You're the best. You're the cream. You're the VIP. You're a legacy of God. You're a demonstration of His goodness and His mercy and His righteousness. 
Now, I had an experience a few years ago. Actually, it was this last year. We bought the green move-in truck. And I'm surprised, not ashamed, but surprised. I, I, I never really thought about this. It came with a full tank of, of fuel. And we didn't put many miles on it the first little bit because y'all, y'all hadn't started moving yet. And, uh, <clears throat> and we had it several months, actually, to Mr. Spann. And one day somebody says, Pastor, I can't use the truck because they don't have any fuel in it. I said, oh, I'm sorry. And I ran to get some fuel in it. And I didn't think, I knew it. But when I got to the gas station, I was like, this takes diesel. And I got thinking, ooh, not all gas stations sell diesel. And sure enough, where I had gone to get fuel for it, didn't sell diesel. So I had to go find a station that provided diesel. And then on the drive over, I got thinking, you know, <clears throat> years ago, a friend of mine messed a motor up putting gas in a diesel. Hmm. I got over there, and I texted the friend of ours who we purchased it from, and he said, don't worry, they've idiot-proofed it for people like you. I went, thumbs up. See, apparently I wasn't the only one that was maybe going to struggle with what to do. Not only did they color code the nozzle, so you should know it's a little different. Guess what? They made the diameter of the pipe of the nozzle where it won't fit in a normal size. I feel the Holy Ghost. It was pre-engineered not to accept the wrong thing. I wish some of us would be so engineered to realize that there's something unique and special that God designed us not to take everything the world's dishing out. We're different. We're set apart. We are separate. We are special. I'm hastening to close today. I'll give you a quick story. The Bible tells us of a man named Gideon. The judge before Gideon was a woman named Deborah. You've heard me preach about Deborah. She was frustrated because people quit going to church because the roads were not safe. So she paved the roads and straightened the way and put armies out to make the people safe where they could travel to Jerusalem to worship. And there was a great revival that came over Israel. But some 40 years later, they had drifted back into idolatry to the God known as Baal. We get the word Beelzebub, Lord of the flies. don't have time to preach all that today. And so the word of the Lord comes to Gideon and says, Thou art courageous, and you can deliver the people from their idolatry. I want you to get that. I've always perceived the voice of the Lord saying, Thou can deliver the people from the Midianites. And it does go on to say that. But what God addresses first is they would be delivered from their idolatry. Can can I tell you what? The manifestations of your problem can't be eradicated until you put your finger on the spiritual source of your problem. I think it's funny, Brother Alford, when the angel of the Lord comes to him again, he's hiding in the threshing floor. He's under the barn hiding. Remember what the voice of the Lord said first, thou art courageous. Who's ever felt God calling you to something? And God says you can, but you're hiding. Anybody here run from? And in that 
visitation, God tells him, Gideon, you're, you're going to be a deliverer of the people out of the influences of the Midianites. And he says, if that is so, confirm it and come and share a meal with me. And the word of the Lord says that the angel of the Lord, a theophany, a manifestation of God, comes and stretches forth his hand and causes a fire to burst into flame and it cooks the meat and the bread and they fellowship together. What was lost in the garden through disobedience brought separation. When you obey God, it brings fellowship. If you've not been hearing from the Lord lately, it could be because you haven't separated yourself from things of the world. And here he is. And he names that place Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is my peace. Anybody here ever go to a house or to a restaurant and you smell something that brings back memories? Some good, not some not so good, but memories. Did you know that your, your nose, your sense of smell creates the greatest opportunity to remember th- more than your eyes or your ears your nose triggers more memories than any other organ did you know that incredible i imagine every time he smelt roasting lamb after that he remembered the lord is my peace and the lord says it's time to deliver the people you know what gideon says who me somehow he had forgotten Who's ever heard of a fleece? I don't, I don't mean a jacket that you wear. I mean a fleece. That's where you say, Lord, if this is your will, let X happen or Y happen. Who's ever, who's ever done that? It's not, I mean, it's not the main way to go, but sometimes you just need to know that. You... Blessed assurance, right? And so here we go. And one time he says, Lord, if it's your will, let the, let the dew be on the ground and not on the livestock. And the Lord answered. And the next day he says, just to make sure that I know. And he reverses it. Let it be on the livestock, not the ground. And the Lord answers both times. Now, why are you telling me this, Pastor? It's after 12. Remember, we're not having night service. I gave you permission before I got started to let me have it with both barrels. Can I tell you, I'm giving you both barrels too. Here, Here it is. He says, Now's the time. I have called you. So he sends out word in the Bible. We do the math. 32,000 men. Man, if we had 32,000 men show up here, woo! We'd be building. We'd be knocking doors. Come on, we'd be doing some stuff. 32,000. And God says, there's too many. It loses something in the English translation, but if you go back to the Hebrew here, it says you need to separate. Can I tell you what? God's not usually in the crowd. He's not what everybody else is doing. Quit using that as a reason why you did what you did. Everybody else was doing it. It it don't please God. He don't care what everybody else doing. He wants to know, are you obeying Him? He says, You need to separate yourself from this crowd. 32,000 men. Can can I say 32,000 men? That's a gang mentality. You ever been in a fight with somebody and you take along some friends? You ever take some backup with you, some friends? 
and you size it up pretty quickly, and you realize, well, there's seven of us and only three of them. Yeah, we're going to fight. <laughs> but if it's the other way around, what are we thinking? There's three of us and seven of them. Hey, man, can't we, can't we all just get along? Anybody here honest? Anybody honest? Honest? There's 32,000. Well, let's go whoop them. God said, yeah, and you go whoop them, and you've done it in the power of your might, and it's going to be glory days of what you've done. It needs to get down to a place that you know what I already know, that without me, the victory can't happen. I want to preach to somebody. Do you know what the first cutting line is to bring separation? Get the cowards and unbelievers out of here. Can I tell you, God does revival oftentimes not by adding to the church, but taking away distractions and people who don't want to live right and serve God. Anybody here ever cleaned the garage out? you got to pull it all out and separate it, and this is good, and this is trash, and you start organizing and putting it back in there. Revival starts when God starts pull, when it feels like it's all coming undone and falling apart. That's God bringing separation. And when stuff like that starts happening, the first thing we do is we want to go get our friends and gang up on it. God's bringing separation to get some of your friends out of your life because they're not leading you to godliness and righteousness and holiness. They're leading you into a gang mentality. God wants to get you alone with himself and you be holy unto him individually and faithful to him, not the gang and not the friends and not the following. God's trying to cut some people out of your life. Remember, if you're waiting on the masses, you're going to fail. It's always been the few. The Bible uses different words, but they all mean the same thing. The remnant of his people. That's the, what was left over after the rest was used up. The residue, that's that that clings to the side after the pot's done boiled out dry. I'm preaching to somebody, it's a minority. It's the small group of separated like a Daniel and said, I don't care what the king says. I'm only going to eat what God says I can eat. It's like the three Hebrew children. We don't care if God delivers on your terms or not. We're not going to bow. It's two or three that make the difference. It was a boy named David when the Israel army was just sitting there going, we can't do anything. David said, I'm not worried about who's with me. If the Lord is with me, it's don't, it don't matter who's with me. Well, they're no longer my friend. They're no longer following my tweets. They're no longer uh, part of my clique or my group. Don't be worried about who's left you. Can I stop and be ugly for a minute? I'm tired of seeing preachers get on Facebook and complain about who's left them. If God be for you, it don't matter who left you. I'm not focused on who's left. I want to run with some people that are moving close to the Lord, not just with their lips, but their whole heart. The church is in revival when people are excited about prayer service and about unity and about pleasing God. It's not revival when you got a big group. It's not the number in your group. It's the separation and dedication unto God. Transformational living. Nobody loves me today. God wants the glory, and he'll use the most unlikely people. It's not how, not oftentimes how you think it's going to be. You're either going to be separated to him or separated from him. 
Sometimes God is trying to get you away from some people. I'm not against prayer partners. I believe in prayer partners. But sometimes you go, oh, i got to get my prayer partner. And they're not praying P-R-A-Y for you. They are praying P-R-E-Y on you. I can't tell you, Sister Brenda, how many times somebody's developed a a limp in their walk. They're hit and miss on service. They're not really worshiping. You can tell they're in a bad place and they're drifting and they just come up missing. Good shepherd knows when the sheep come up missing. Amen. Amen. And I'll go to somebody that I know is their friend, their prayer partner, their family. And I can't tell you how many times I'll say, hey, I've noticed so-and-so and they're struggling. They're not here. And is everything okay? Well, I think so. Would you help me get them back in church? Help me get them in the altar. Help me get them excited about serving God again to only find out later the very person I solicited to partner with me to get them back in church is the very reason they're not coming to church. If I had a sheet of paper, I couldn't write enough names to equal the number of times I've seen that happen just since I've been pastoring here. What are you saying? Not everybody's praying P-R-A-Y for you. Some people are P-R-E-Y praying on you. And God wants to use some separation to get you alone with him, not them. Too many Christian leaders are trying to answer the wrong question. How can we be like more by the world? You know the answer. Become more worldly. But Jesus says, they hated me, and if you're my disciple, and if you're separated unto me, they're going to hate you too. we got to quit worrying about what the world thinks, and Facebook thinks, and Twitter thinks. What is God? Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, that you may know what is the will of God concerning you, and it is separation. Closing my notebook. What does that mean? If y'all didn't learn anything else, you've learned that. Sister Beth's going to come to the piano. Kind of a hard message, preacher. I'm going to boil it down for you. If you wonder what we teach and believe, you can't live like the world and be pleasing to God. We, we believe the same God that called you, the same God that will fill you, is the same God that will bring you out. We, we believe that God is gender specific. That which is male is male, and that which is female is female. We believe that. <clears throat> and our appearance, and I, I'm going to go deeper in the coming services, our appearance needs to identify our gender. It needs to be easily understood, male and female. Well, I know what I am. But there's little eyes watching you. I'm glad you respect this pulpit and you know how to conduct yourself in here. But it's not just what you do in here. What are you doing out there? How you conduct yourself, how you present yourself to a lost and dying world. If there is no distinction, visible, emotional, or spiritual difference between you and that coworker that's going through crisis, why would they reach out to you for solutions if you're in the same miserable pit they're in? If you're the same slave to fashion and opinion of the world and feelings, serving God is more than feelings, it's faith. I ain't got it yet. But I'm going to keep moving that direction. Say this with me. 
Some of you are going to get this. Marco. Marco. And then you'll say Marco one more time, and they'll go dark on you. They won't say a word. Do you know why they'll do that, Timmy? It's because you're close. And if they say, they respond, Polo, you're going to find them. I know when they go dark, when they quit answering me. I, I don't think you're getting. I, I, I ain't seeing the Lord working in everybody's life like I want to. But I don't get discouraged when they go dark. I know they're close. I perceive thou art close to the king. Peter told Agrippa, I perceive it. You're this close to the kingdom. How long are you going to be this close to the kingdom? And when are you finally going to sell out to the things of God, not let the opinions of men or the philosophies of individuals that have no biblical standing limit your life? Or when are you going to say, Lord, what would you have me do? People are afraid to answer the Lord. They're afraid to ask Him because they're afraid of what? He's going to give them direction. And the Bible says in the book of Romans that nature itself declares His Godhead and eternal purpose so they are without excuse. So you, you can't stay in ignorance and think you're going to be excused. God's got a plan for your life. As you stand to your feet today, who in here wants to be as much like the world and hope that God accepts you anyway? Who in here wants to be as close to the world as possible? Who wants to be as close to the Lord as the mention of His name? Who wants to be when you have a near accident that you can call on the name of Jesus and He shows up instantly? Who wants to have the kind of relationship that you know that you know all is well with your soul? We're not saved by works, but our works are a demonstration of our salvation. Today, I want you to come and find yourself a place to pray and say, Lord, everything that I am and everything that I'm not today, I am yours. I know there is a power in being set apart and separated unto you to be sanctified as a believer in Jesus Christ today. Sister Beth's going to sing. I want you to come and pray.